0: welcome to an unexpected and special episode of over underrated with fran and babs i am babs and i'm here to introduce you to an extremely special guest we have chris ollie the lead singer of six by seven now why is chris an extremely special guest basically we talked about his band Six by Seven in a previous episode. Fran picked them as an underrated band from Nottingham and we got real deep into their discography and I really adored them. I think it's my favourite band that Fran has introduced me so far on the podcast. Chris got in touch with us and said some very nice things. So we invited him to come on the podcast to discuss what he thought of what we said, whether he agreed or disagreed. And then we talked about you know more about six by seven there's a lot of fun rock and roll stories i don't know exactly what Franz cut out yet so let's see what makes it into the final edit but we also talk about being on jules harland and his collaboration with pete holmstrom from the dandy warhols what his life is like as a musician who makes music every single day lots of very interesting chats from chris but obviously this is still over underrated so we also asked him to come up with five underrated songs by five of his favorite underrated acts Some definitely more well-known than others, but it's quite an interesting selection of more electronic music and then rockier music. So yeah, enjoy this mad long episode. Chris is very honest and was very gracious to come on the podcast. Fran and I, we know, we're a little bit concerned what it would be like to have someone whose music we talked to about on the podcast, but it was a really fun experience. So enjoy. Oh, hang on. Yeah. What are we calling this podcast?
1: (laughs) Was it? Over underrated.
2: Over underrated. Sous évalue. Over
0: underrated. Welcome to a very special episode of Over Underrated. I am Babs and I'm here with my co host Fran. How are we today, Fran?
1: Happy New Year, everyone out there in the podcast world. I am doing fine apart from a really bad back, but enough about me how are you doing Babs?
0: <laughs> yeah backs are evil Pilates doesn't cure everything is what we're both learning I think. I am good I've been kind of nerding out on music this week because it was only recently that I realized you could connect uh, Tidal to Last FM, mm-hmm. and it gives you very nerdy stats every week and I'm kind of on there every day looking at them. <laughs>
1: What's your favorite stat so far?
0: um well my favorite stats so far is that it's still telling me that pet shop boys are my most listened to artists because apparently i listened to them back in 2008 and it's just kept it so i'm gonna have to (laughs) kind of usurp them but um what i like is it tells you what songs how many times you've listened to a song in a week so uh i know that for example my most listened to song last week was tectonic by teaser and i listened to it 33 times which is worrying
1: (laughs) so are we talking the same day like Uh, no
0: no no over, over a week okay over a period of a week yeah,
1: some serious, some serious listening going on there, Beth.
0: Serious scrubbing going on. How about you?
1: Um, I've been listening to um, Secret Machines.
0: Heard of? Tell me more. Tell me more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they kind of came out at the same time as like the kidders like that kind of new wave sound, but they had more of, like a Pink Floyd influence. So imagine mm-hmm. the kidders but with eight-minute-long songs. Uh, that
0: personally. <laughs> doesn't sound up my street right? but <laughs> <laughs> depends what era killers are we talking first album only yeah i not? guess
1: so um yeah All right, then. um yeah they i think people thought they were like another of those bands like um who is who who was is who's other band came out at the same time with the cool hair Oh, Bravery. Right, yeah. People yeah. thought they were the same sort of wave as the Bravery and the Killers, but they had a little bit more, more to them, but they never really sort of like broke through apart from their day brand. But give them a, give them a, a listen, guys. If would have it's, a, a,
0: another Fran band that didn't quite make it. Yeah, the, uh, the
1: curse of, uh, of, of of my meat taste.
0: The curse of the missed R- A&R man, Fran. Um, but we are not alone today. We have an incredibly special guest we have chris ollie from six by seven on the line i was going to say as if we're on the radio hello chris
2: hello hello how
0: are you doing
2: i'm uh, i'm all right thanks whereabouts where are you today i'm in nottingham where i live
0: very good ah uh, so i've
2: just been uh, i've just been in wales for the weekend uh uh for last weekend for a recording at rockfield studios so that was
0: good. We're definitely going to get into that because uh, that seems to be, I was going to call it a bit of a pilgrimage that you do a few times a year to those studios to record some music with your fans. It's its fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, Chris is uh, Chris has come on because he messaged very kindly and said uh, he'd enjoyed listening to our podcast. And Fran and I, uh, I have to say, are kind of terrified because we're honestly we're usually very honest in the podcast. We don't expect people to listen to us. And the fact that you didn't message us being like, oh, you know, thanks for calling me. <laughs> a break we very much appreciate it and we we're, we're very glad that you've graciously well, come Luckily
1: on it's the underrated band well from the Overrated yes. band that would be do, yeah. that would be <laughs>
0: I would be surprised if London Grammar get in touch yeah, with if, us, if, but, if John Bon
1: uh... gets on the line I'll be shocked to be fair <laughs>
0: But you said, Chris, that when you were listening to the podcast, you, you felt like you kind of wanted to respond to some of the things that we said. So, I mean, how how was it listening to it? And how is it in general, as a musician, listening to yourself being talked about on podcasts and written about in the press?
2: I find it quite interesting. Uh, what well, was interesting, really, was, was um, some of the things that you said which sounded, uh, which could be kind of... Um, misinterpreted as negative, Uh, like for example, you talked about arrogance, Mm -hmm. and um, I thought, yeah, you know, the band, for the first time in my life, I thought maybe that's, because of the way, it's a weird one, because it's the way we behaved. Uh, You know, you can come across as arrogant. Um, we, We actually, like for example, um fran said you were talking about us recording the third album live mm. and putting the vocals down and fran said that in itself could be construed as quite arrogant and i thought that was interesting because that's almost like that's almost like a plumber coming around and fixing your radiator and you're going oh that's uh, the way you did that was slightly arrogant you know because like bands through the ages have all recorded like that. That's a normal way of recording, you know, to go into the studio and put it down live. However, what's not normal is then for me to, to go out and do 35 interviews in a day. Mm-hmm. And each time I say, well, we recorded the album live, you know, uh, 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 and uh, because uh, to, be, to be honest with you, uh, A lot of bands weren't doing that around around that time and the only reason we did it was because the guitar player had just left and I was shitting myself (laughs) and I wanted it I I just I I said to the boys look I mean let's just play it live because otherwise I'm going to start overdubbing Sam kind of type guitars Sam was the guy Mm. that left and and, I, and I, I didn't want to do that. So the, a, a really good thing to do is to make a rule and just go. Well, we're just going to play it live, yeah. So that. But but when you've been like, when you're doing press trips and you go over to Amsterdam and they put you in a hotel room and you've got to speak to thirty people, uh, and they all get twenty minutes each, you know, and you you know, you start saying this over and over again, and then. It gets it gets written down and it looks different and um, so much of what i used to say because um used to um you know pick, uh, it's like this podcast you know if you wanted to you could take it and you could edit it and you could make me sound like a certain person or whatever but and and i found what i found was with the music press and in general was that they're always looking for an angle, and they're always trying to trying to um, you know put us put us in a kind of um, put put us in that kind of bracket, really, because I mean, I remember being thrown out of three MTV interviews, one one in Sweden, one in Spain, and where was the other one? Oh, yeah, Greece, you know. And uh, you know, we actually they they actually said, you know, get out of our studio. Cause we don't want you in here. Cause yeah. I mean, we went to Greece, right. And we'd had a few beers on the plane. And then when we got there, the guy picked us up, gave us a pack, uh, uh, pulled over into the office, got us small more beers. We were with Tim from death in Vegas. who was on mm. tour with us. We was just a mate. It just recorded us. And, and he, we were like, do you want to come on tour with us to Greece? So, so then we went to, um, they took us straight to MTV and said, Oh, you've got to do this MTV thing. And we went there and we all sat on the sofa together. There was four of us and, and this lovely girl comes out and sits there. And then this, this Greek guy comes over to us and just, he says, we're going on air in, 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 in 15 seconds. Don't mention gay people. <laughs> and, you know, and we we kind of looked at each other and went, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we don't like talking about gay people. On on the on the telly in Greece, was that you know.
0: In any of your song lyrics? Was there any reason for that? Or
2: I don't know why he <laughs> said it. And then, you know, I mean it was absolutely it was completely homophobic. It was fucking outrageous. You know, uh, and then he went, Right, you're on in five, four, three, right, you're live. And then this girl turned around and said, Oh, hello, boys, you've just flown in from Gatwick and landed and how's Greece? And the first thing I said, well, it was all right, but I got fucked up the ass in the you know, in the in the airport and uh, and and and, and we just did the whole interview <laughs> like that. Every time she asked us a question, we said, "That's what we were like." We mm. just we were like a kind of twisted version of the Beatles, you know. None of us took the whole that any of it seriously. We were just not these, you you know, and. That, so when i heard your podcast i i was thinking about all these kind of things and how we used to behave and if anything we were sort of like um you know the opposite of arrogant we were kind of we weren't intimidated by them and we weren't we we never felt they were important mm. mm-hmm. and i think that went against the band after i you know after i came out of it and we looked at it it was like uh Ah, you know, and if you piss people off by, by doing things like that, um, they'll probably, you know, write negatively about you.
1: So, do you think if you had like things like podcasts back in the day, when you could have a long form, you could be yourself, you might have come out differently? Because, of course, it's like when we're doing the podcast, I was <laughs> when that. we're doing the podcast, like it's hard to find a lot of information around that sort of time like interviews you're you're quite limited to to find out how you were really so like a lot of our opinions were coming from like that documentary the six music documentary on YouTube and little snippets so it's kind of hard to sort of really get a picture because you know like you haven't you haven't got dozens of music videos and dozens of like interviews on on YouTube
2: so it's kind of no, there was that film that Beggars did, and then there was a... I don't know if you watched the Channel 4 film about us. They made a film about us on Channel 4, where we're just kind of sitting at yeah, this yeah, table yeah. going, <laughs> uh, we're into Spaceman 3, actually. <laughs> I, I mean, really. I'm, oh, yeah. And then the other thing was that, you know, phoners, yeah. you know, when you do phoners. So what happens is the the... You sit. You're told to sit by the phone for you you know the record label say right, Chris, on Tuesday between ten o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the afternoon, we, you're just going to sit by the phone and do interviews, right? So um, uh, you you sit there, and what happens is the phone rings, and the record label they say right, we're now going to put you through to Fran at you know or Babs, and and she's going to ask you some questions, and and then I. And then I would put the phone down and, the, and then the phone would ring and it would be Fran. And he'd be saying, all right, Chris, you know, you just finished the first album. And we're talking and that and I know this one day I was doing it. And um, I got every single person ended the conversation in the same way. And I thought, what the fuck's going on here? This is really weird. And they were going, um, listen, Chris, um, I know I've got to finish now, but I just want to say, you you strike me as a really nice person well i'd be like oh thanks <laughs> or, you know and after a while i was thinking what well, they must all think i'm not very nice and now now they're they're saying oh we're quite shocked that you're all right so um this went on and and then by the end of the afternoon i said to this guy i actually asked one of them i said um what's going on what you know why did you just say that were you expecting me to be a a, you know a wronger and he went well your record cable record label told us that you're really difficult and obnoxious so the record label were telling everybody they were going right if you when you ring this number chris will give you 15 minutes we just want to let you know he's a sod (laughs)
1: Was that on like, the back of like the 90s, like post-Oasis sort of like thing when they wanted people to be a bit prickly to get some more airtime or something? Was it part of that or?
2: They didn't really know how to market us. And then they thought, I mean, I, on the third album, I wrote a song called Bad Man," and they, they were like, we've got to call the album Badman. And, you know, I was like, no, 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 hang on a minute. You know, so, and I still get it to this day. People come up to me, they talk to me and they're like, I thought you'd be like a really arrogant, <laughs> twisted sod. I'm like, yeah, it's funny that I'm not, am I? They're like, no, actually, you're quite you're quite nice. All right, it's weird that people
1: will match the music to the personality. Like you could do like the most sunshine pop ever and be like Phil Spector. Um, you know, or you know, you can write quite angry sounding songs and be nice. People sometimes find it hard to separate the, the music from the, from the person, maybe.
2: Exactly, and it started straight away, Fran. When we did the we we did a show at the Water Rats, which was immediately uh, picked up by the NME. We, you know, we, we started playing all these shows, and the NME and the Melody Maker were falling over themselves to come and watch us because that's another thing that that the band um, that went against the band was the band the live experience, which was absolutely thunderous. Mm. And people used to come and watch it and be like, fucking hell. The these people at the Inky Press, they had nothing better to do than to keep going out and watching bands all the time. That's what they were paid to do. And and along we came and we blew all the cobwebs out, and then they were writing about the band. Fucking hell, this band is brilliant. And then the record came out, it didn't sound anything like what we were live, because it very rarely does. And um, luckily in the, on the second album, when we worked with John mm. Leckie, you know, I remember John Lecky came up to me and said, we were playing in, on uh, the first time he came up to me and he said, I, you sound amazing, uh, but, um, you know, your record is crap in comparison to what you sound like live. And I said, well, why don't you come and fix it for us? And he said, I, I will. <laughs> and he came down and produced the second album, fixed, fixed some of it. But yeah, I mean, it, it, you, you know, the other thing was that I'm—I I was quite shy at the time. When it were, I never—I'm like a kid in a candy store when I'm in writing songs and I'm in a studio. But when it comes to going on stage, as soon as my foot hit the stage, I used to turn into a different person mm. to protect myself while I was on stage. So I would often say like abrasive things and people people used to be a bit frightened I'm six foot four so people were a bit like but you that's know.
0: exactly what I wanted because I listened back to our podcast today to kind of see what I had said um and I think I because obviously I I hadn't heard of you I was coming across it fresh only from you know France playlist and the interviews and uh I wondered really whether was it arrogance or was it just a band who didn't want to play that game of the press or a band that I, I think I said at one point maybe they're just lovely sensitive boys and uh, this is how they come across so uh, it sounds like maybe it was a bit more of that then in the end
2: a bit what well, that we were lovely sensitive it was, yeah, boys yeah and you
0: but you were just defensive you know like uh, you know you, you weren't doing it in a kind of i don't know towers of london woo, you know way to piss off the press it was just that you were you were trying to, you know, answer the questions as you were given, and and you know, not not be fake and not, uh, yeah, play the game.
2: I think that goes against you, yeah. If you behave like that, because I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was a joke, you know, and that's what the second album is about. A lot, a lot of the second album was was us, well, p- particularly me, writing about the realization of what we had gotten ourselves into. Mm. And the rest of the band were like completely, you know, uh, went along with that because they were in the same boat, and we were all kind of, you know, we we're all sitting there by the second album, going, "This is pretty much over," wow. you know, because that's where it was. You were, you
1: got into George Holland's. That not give you anything any more push or anything? Well,
2: that was amazing. You know, that um, I'm playing on that show. I remember i mean we were so loud on that i mean the great thing about jules holland is i don't know what it's like now but back then you had to take your own gear like mm. pa on it a setup so basically what you did was you you hired in the wedges and everything and then you put it up and and you turned it up to work but normally when you do tv shows you you can't play very loud. There, you know, there's people walking around and telling you what to do, and you, you know, it's TV's horrible. It really is. A, it's the worst thing you can do. You they treat you really bad. But when you when you go to the BBC, when you when when we were doing Jules Holland, they're basically like if you play at the volume of a jet taking off, then we encourage you to play at our volume on the show. So what you end up with is all these bands playing exactly like they would play. And Mark Cooper, the guy that does Jules mm. Holland, it's extremely clever because he knows that that brings out the best in, in the band. To so me, watching
1: you know? that performance, is that the closest I could have got to seeing you back in the 90s, basically.
2: Yeah,
1: because it's a great performance. But were you offered any other TV shows? Or was that basically it in, the, in that?
2: Why yeah, around. I
1: guess got, I guess like <laughs> TF Friday probably ended by then. I don't, know, I don't
2: know many other music
1: shows around. Yeah, really.
2: yeah. Well, I mean, the thing, is the the, the, the great thing about Jules Holland was that where, as we were finishing the last song, oh dear, it's got this massive ending, and it was so it was so loud in there, and I actually smashed my guitar up, and I I remember playing it, this guitar, and I remember thinking, I'm gonna I'm gonna like throw this guitar that no one's ever done this on Jules Holland, you know, and I got my guitar and I bounced off the floor and then I threw it right up into the rafters. And I looked up and I thought, fucking hell, it's coming back down. And I I ran out of the way and it pranged on the floor and everything. And everyone was going, Oh my God. And they cut it out. Oh, and also another thing is you're only as good as your manager. So if, if we'd have been the who Kit Lambert would have been up in the cutting room straight away going, if anyone cuts that out, I'm taking their kneecaps off. Do you know what I mean? But our manager never did that. So, you know, I was the first person to do that on Jules Holland, but I wasn't. And then later on, I think a band called At The Drive-In did it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was and they showed it. And uh, to be fair, afterwards, when I was in the green room with Jules Holland, the technician came up to me and said, sorry to see you were having problems with your guitar at the end there old chap I I wasn't having any problems I was I I wanted to be the first person on Jules Island to to hurl a guitar around
1: you still are technically
2: yeah just just because it hasn't shown (laughs) just because it hasn't shown no that's the whole thing Fran I'm not because it wasn't shown so it didn't happen it's not part of history do you know what chris it's quite
0: frustrating because i have a, a good friend and an upcoming guest who is head of archives at itv but not bbc <laughs> if it was bbc ah! i could i mean i might i might still be able to ask him because uh, he has contacts but i do wonder if that is somewhere uh, and could be accessed too
1: late Barbara. it's too late <laughs>
0: it's too late <laughs> the moment's gone <laughs> can
1: i ask my five songs i chose um to give to babs 10 10 we, songs we, it was a 10 size it's a long time ago <again. laughs> Did you agree with with those selections? Was is there? I know you're a big fan of um all my friends. Um, all my um, new
2: best friends.
1: Yeah, but is there any particular song which you would you would have liked to put on a playlist to show off the band?
2: I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, I I remember Babs. You really liked um, another love song, didn't you?
0: And so close as well yeah they
2: were yeah. live they were absolutely pulverizing you know they were really great when I looked down at the setlist and saw them songs I was like ah oh, this is going to be great you know so they were good choices um I was surprised that you picked something off the Peveril album because that's all just leftovers
1: yeah but sometimes the leftovers that uh, no if you they got some yeah. some decent things but uh, now there's a few songs that's from the album I thought you know maybe if it um, was give them more more chance or, or produce differently. It, it would be a hit because i think there's some great tracks on that on that yeah
2: yeah i think you, lots of people said that some some people actually took when we released 04 and then we mm. did that as a money-making thing on the on the internet really because we were like wow we've got all these songs left over and we didn't have a we had our own i'd form my own record label then so we yeah, were like, yeah let's get all these leftovers and put it on here and flog it and we made like you know, 8,000 quid straight away out of that and, and it was it kept us going for you know another 8 months or whatever but uh you picked Bochum didn't you? Yeah Night yeah. of My Life yeah that's a great song Um what else did you pick? I can't remember now
0: I will... well Oh Dear was the finishing track
2: oh yeah well, you have to finish that song. don't you? yeah over underrated sous so,
1: up. So after that, um, 2000 and I think it's a, f- it a five album that, um, like B side, there's the
2: one with um Steve Hewitt on it,
1: yeah, yeah. So that's that's the first album I heard. I and I, I believe you've done some releases before that, but I, I don't think they're on Spotify or available on CD. Well, I couldn't find any,
2: no, there's nothing really to no. listen to, before. no, but there's stuff after that,
1: yeah. So yeah, so, to look, so
2: yeah, I had like
1: Left luggage on CD, and then I think then I remember that the album with Steve Hewitt came out, and then I found out afterwards that there was like some music happened in that eight-year period, but yeah,
2: it doesn't yeah. seem to be anywhere to hear. So but the trouble is that once you've been dropped by a major le- record mm. label, you're finished. It's over. You only get one shot, and if it doesn't work, it's see you later. Mm.
0: Fran and I have talked about that a lot, especially in the British context, because we were saying how some bands who are actually very long lasting there's this attitude of like what they're still making an album what the hell no we're trying to move on to the next thing like uh one of my favorite bands bands that we talk about often is blood red shoes we've been going since 2008 and their sixth album i think you know if it's not their best it's one of and yet it just doesn't seem to kind of uh break through yeah in i think france and germany they have they have a lot more fans so yeah i think I wonder if that's also the fact that you were a British band in that context. The UK, like is, much,
1: the UK is very much the much like the new thing, the new thing, the new thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. There, there is no more. You know, uh, uh, back in the old days, you know, U two, Led Zeppelin. I mean, all these bands would have been dropped after the first album if it didn't make it. Mm. I mean, you know, and and quite often. I mean, I'm much. Why shouldn't I be a better songwriter now than I was before? Because I've been doing it for longer. I mean, there's certain periods in in your life that you write a certain kind of music. I'm always changing anyway because I, I get bored if I I can't just do the same thing over and over, you know. Mm. And Babs, you said something really interesting as well, which which I thought was great when you said um there was a lot of bands around that time getting signed and disappearing and and it was almost like ju- just before we got signed and we were friends with with a band called bivouac and there was they were from derby and they there was these bands like girls against boys and and bivouac and like they were signing to geffen for like millions mm. you know ju- just huge amounts of money and um <clears throat> this record label Geffen, sort of after Nirvana, and that it was hoovering up anything that yeah. was, you know, and um, and then we're, a, a, it calmed down a little bit, and they got a little bit more selective. But there was still a lot of people being signed, you know, that and uh, like Dawn of the Replicants, and you know, and they, they a lot of those bands, they like when we got signed, the the band that everybody was talking about was a band called Ultrasound. Yeah. And they had this big fat singer. Am I allowed to say that? Or is that- it was that. It's factual. Will I get well, cancelled? It's down? I, called Tiny. I want. I want. called Tiny. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm
0: fat, and I call myself fat, so it, it's fine as long as it's factual. I mean, yeah. you've got to be
1: quite brave for David Adam to be a, a a double disc. To be fair.
2: Yeah, with you do, with your you doing a, an abstract expressionist painting. Yeah. And the, the whole pullout is of you doing it. I mean, come on. And they, I remember. They we played a few gigs with them. They're lovely guys from Wakefield, I think. And they they were like, you know, we're going to sign to Mute Records for Gazillions, and 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 we we signed our deal really quickly. You know, we just uh, we got we asked uh, Geffen asked us to do some demos. They passed on the band. We gave the demos to Beggars, and they put them out, and then we were off. You yeah. know
0: yeah yeah just just to say i think what i said was that it the, the timing was it was post grunge just as Britpop pop was happening pre indie rock revival right so the the rock music that was going to become big was new metal which obviously you're not so yeah i i think i think it was bad,
2: bad timing absolutely yeah. and what you mustn't forget about that time is everybody was dropping ease, going to Creamfields, crasher, listening to Fatboy Slim and the Chemical Brothers. It was the era of the super DJ. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the enemy were like talking about the beta band and ultrasound and it was all a bit crap, to be honest. Get, like Gay Dad and bands like that were being, you know, on the front yeah. cover. The we were like, what are they doing on the front cover? <clears throat> and the thing is, if you didn't, what we realized then is, is that if you didn't sell a certain threshold, you were never going to get this kind of uh, coverage. It didn't matter. We, we were like, oh, so it doesn't? It doesn't matter how good you are. No, no, it doesn't matter how much the enemy love you or how great they think you are. It matters how much revenue your record label's putting into the into the newspaper. Mm-hmm. That's that's where it goes. And then you know, and that we at that point we were like, well. Well, that's us fucked then, isn't it? <laughs> but you you do
1: kind of dabble with electronic music. Was there a pressure around at time to maybe go down a more electronic dance? Here? Well,
2: yeah, because the the thing about us lot was that we only ever listened to electronic music. All the ideas that we got about big build-ups and, and you know, making these... Like another love song, for example. Yep. You described that as a kind of symbiotic uh, coming together of, you know, dance music and... And sort of, sort of, it was, it's almost like My Bloody Valentine playing kind of Jungle, mm-hmm. if you like. We all decided that there was never going to be another rock record as good as Highway to Hell by ACDC. And we felt that everything after it was just trying to be something like that. And um, so we, on the tour bus, we 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 only ever listened to electronic music.
1: We'll sort of, and what that, sort of music we listened to? What sort of it from it? Was it AFX Trin or what sort of sounds was it?
2: Plastic Man. Okay. We listened to a lot. Um, we listened to a lot of um, Luke Vibe, um, stuff like that. Um, that. You know, anything on Warp Records, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Ninja tunes. And uh, <clears throat> the only record that we listened to that wasn't like that was If You Want Blood by ACDC, which is a live album. And we used to put that on after gigs and, you know, drink beer and, and play that full blast in the van or in the tour bus. But that was the that was the only record that we listened to that was like that. You know, people thought that we were just these kind of Neil Young worshipping monks. And we were absolutely sort of on, right on the nail with electronic music. You know? I
1: can't hear a lot of ACDC. And we say to be fair
0: <laughs> and I would say don't listen to our ACDC episode Chris because you might not agree with us on
1: that uh, <laughs> so when so a couple of years later when bands like the Cube Temple Claws and Kasabian came out mixing electronic and guitar music and being hailed as like this exciting thing it must have been a bit annoying thinking about I did this like four now, years ago <laughs>
2: You, 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 the, the, the great thing was, was uh, when I was listening to the podcast, you kept on making references to Kasabian. You were saying, oh man, if you listen to Candlelight, that's yeah. on Candlelight. One of you said, like, yeah. this could almost be a Kasabian track before Kasabian, proto Kasabian. Mm-hmm. A lot of what? Now then. Because we're from Nottingham, we used to go and play in Leicester at the Charlotte a lot. This is what we wanted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kasabian supported us twice. There we go. Ah,
0: there we go.
2: They weren't called Kasabian, though. They were called Syracuse or something like that, or Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And I do remember one of them from the band, I think it was the singer, Tom. Um, He came up to me one night and he went, You guys are fucking brilliant we want to be more like you well and looks like they did a little bit
1: oasis a little bit six plus seven and you get to uh make a lot of yeah they
2: (laughs) when they supported us they they sounded like a bunch of because they were only 17 or 18 years old back then Mm. i think They, they were like oiks and um they sounded like a piss poor oasis to me you know But that first album was brilliant. Yeah. When the first album came out, I was like, I couldn't stop listening to it. I loved it.
0: Yeah, but I think that was a lot. Obviously, I again we've done a Kasabian episode where I defended them as not being overrated. So Fran's more scepticism, but I think he came around a little bit. Yeah, the debut um, bit,
1: the debut, the best album, still to be fair. Um, but yeah,
0: brilliant. I yeah maybe maybe not for me, but that's that's another that's another time, that's another <laughs> time. But yeah, I I do I do still think Sergio is a genius. But I think part of the genius of that first album was Chris Garloff, and he then went to do other things. And I was actually listening to his other band i think they're called black onassis and they've they've got some really good electronic shit that was that was after, yeah but i think kasabian are an example of a band who maybe not necessarily played the game but it was like they were proper in your face uh with the music press and i think on the episode we talked about how i have a memory of reading about kasabian in the enemy. And enemy were writing about them like, oh, you know, Kasabian, they think they're well hard, but they still live with their mums, right? And that was the impression that they gave and how they came across. But I think there was definitely, you know, post-Oasis's boom, a gap, and, and they filled it, as I think Fran said mm. on, on the podcast. But uh, but there we go.
1: So you mentioned that you were quite anxious or uncomfortable playing live. Um, so obviously, you, you, you do a lot of, of work in your studio. Do you miss performing live? Was that something you're happy to stay away from? <laughs>
2: I don't miss performing live at all. I mean, you, you know, I used to throw up before going on stage. Mm. I mean, I, I was—I used to sort of say to myself, "What am I doing here? I mean, what's going on? Why am I here?" You know.
1: I guess a lot of the money you say from being a musician is to perform live, eh?
2: a lot of the publicity, a lot. I mean, if but back then it was different. I mean, I it was it was. I, it did, I figured out I've been in different bands and I figured out that it was really easy to get a record deal. I mean, it really is easy. Mm. you know. If you want a record deal, but if you wanted a record deal back then, all right, there's just a couple of things you've got to do. And that's hang out with people who turn up on time. You know, you can't be in a band if you've got a drummer who's four hours late. I mean, just forget it. And I went to university, and we were a college band. We were an art school band, and everybody that was in the band wanted to do it. And we we went into the rehearsal room, and, and you know, and I came. I said, Let, "Let's try this." And then all you've got to do is figure out, you know, how to keep it simple. And then it's 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 not repetition; it's discipline. And what you've got to do is you just got to keep it pinned down and keep it simple. Um I hammered that into the boys and you know, we 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 just did that and then we got better and better and then and then you just unleash yourself and you'll get signed. It's really easy and
0: But maybe it's it's easy to get any record deal, but maybe not a good record deal, right? As you as you mentioned.
2: Well, no, you don't you I mean, that's the thing, is like you 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 sign with a record label that's got your favorite band on it. <laughs> That's what you do. You just wait until they offer you. And we got offered loads of deals and we waited for Beggars Banquet because they had Mercury Rev and we were just waiting to sign them to them. And then Mercury Rev were gone when we got there. <laughs> you know, so we were going, where's Mercury Rev? You know, can we, can we meet them? And then we don't have anything to do with them oh. anymore. And one of them was in a monastery, the band split up, and this was before yeah. dessert. Oh, okay. All oh, right. And and then they signed a big deal with someone else and brought out dessert songs and went massive. You know.
1: Do you still go to um, gigs now? Thoughts, bands,
2: or I'm going to see Gaz Coombs on Sunday. Oh great! Um, but other than that, um, I no. I mean, I go. I, I for me now going to a gig. I I like to go to arena gigs because you can sit down and. Um, have a drink and uh, watch someone like uh, you know nine inch nails or Neil young or something you know
0: um, I know that you recently recorded a, a podcast at Rockfield Studios so I don't know if, if this is maybe something that's that's been asked before but um, what really intrigued me from watching the documentary and from kind of t- t- talking to you online before coming on I mean you told me that you make music every single day which is extraordinary and yeah it'd be really great if you I don't know if you could tell us what a day in the life of Chris Olly is like and and how you manage to to live your life doing that because uh I I feel you know personally how many people are able to do that um must be amazing
2: well you only get one life and I thought well I always thought I'll try and do with it something that I want to do and I've managed to like in that documentary I think there's one bit where I say you know you, you get your online sales you get your royalties you get this and you get a little bit of this you do some live gigs and hey Preston you've got yourself a job mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I've done and so yeah I get up I, I mean I, I get up anywhere between sort of five and seven and oh,
0: yeah. um wow yeah wow yeah <laughs>
2: you know i'll i'll come into the studio and i'll 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 mess around with the mini moog or something or the prophet 5 and i'll get something going and then i'll write a song around it it doesn't take me long I'm, i i kind of follow the elton john um paul mccartney school where i think elton john doesn't spend longer than 3 quarters of an hour writing a song mm. and um paul mccartney's 3 hours he says well if you ain't got it in 3 hours forget about it do something else I don't use computers. I record with traditional means, you know. Mm-hmm. So, which is, I find that the technology of computers slows you down. Oh wow!
1: When you're writing a song, um, are you playing a keyboard or are you playing guitar?
2: Doesn't matter. I mean, I'll, it, it, you know, I'll sample something. I'll, I might hear something while I'm doing having breakfast. I don't know. I mean, um, I generally sing. I the way that I tend to work is I set myself parameters to work within mm. so that I don't go spiraling off all over the place. But the trouble is that I'm so adept at it <laughs> that I can easily write one song a day and I end up with 31 songs at the oh, end of the month. So I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I give a lot away on Patreon I just put it on Patreon and people people pay me some money on Patreon and then I just put I I do you know what I've been doing it a year or something and someone someone posted a couple of weeks ago they put Yay that's Chris's one hundredth song he's given us Jesus Christ but
0: clearly I need to sign up for the Patreon as well um like what 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 immediately came to my mind but I'm guessing you know. It would be difficult and you have your method have you ever thought about kind of writing for other people then kind of writing with other songwriters uh you know because that way yeah I, I guess it sounds like you don't need to make more money you're okay but that might be a way to make more no, money I, like,
2: I, I could always do with more money you know? <laughs> because because um you know with more money it brings more opportunity mm-hmm. so I could give more free cds away or i could go to you know i could hire a a musician to help me or something like that Mm -hmm. but uh i did do that yeah i there's one type of music that i find absolutely really really easy to write and that's country and western i can i can write country and western music like i mean it's i just find it really easy i don't know why and I did con. I I did some demos, and I sent them. Like really, you know, sort of. Uh, I used to play in a country and western band, you know, in Germany, and uh,
0: right.
2: and and you know, I I kind of love, um, you know, uh, Merle Haggard and all, all, all Dwight Yoakam, and uh, there was uh, about thirty years ago, there was a lot of young country guys coming through. It, it was really really kind of proper country though it wasn't it wasn't like um it, it wasn't like americana it wasn't sort of mm. like a, a modern take it was traditional proper you know dolly parton kind of stuff right and um and i used to write a song and i'd come in to the and i'd play this song to, to the band and they were like who's that by? And I'll go, oh, I wrote it about half an hour ago, and they'd go, no, you didn't. i go, yeah, I did, actually. And they go, no, you're full of shit. Who's that by? Is it a Dwight? And I'd say, no, actually, I wrote this. Anyway, so what I did was I sat down and I wrote some really catchy, kind of cheesy country songs, and I sent them to this company in Germany because they, Germany's massive country western music. She wrote back to me, and she was like, yes, you know, we'll, we'll take you on and you know we want you to write songs for us and um and i started doing it and um and then i just stopped because i thought Fucking hell, what are you doing you're writing country and western songs for money stop <laughs> this is no way to live your life <laughs> uh, and also the other thing was they want the quality that they wanted was 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 out of my range it mm-hmm. was like I had to go to a really big studio and record it all properly and then hand it over to them and uh I was like I'm you know this is that's that's like too much really so I I got bored of it and um and stopped but no I I'd really love it if someone else kind of took my songs and and made them better you know and and had a hit that would be amazing <laughs> wouldn't it but-
0: listeners if you're out there let us know. You've listened to us X by 7 episode. You know what Chris's music sounds like. Come on guys.
1: There's such a vast back catalog. Is there like a song that kind of got away from you? Like you thought was going to be great but you never could record. how you wanted to sound. Was there like a All of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: always perfection
1: to but, be But a tender, wouldn't, to you wouldn't you wouldn't go back. And re-record anything at all. Always moving forward.
2: Yeah, all of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, the the first album is terrible. I mean, that really is like, I mean, nobody in the band. I I, I listened to it once. Uh, uh, me and the me and the um keyboard player. We were once in the studio and we put the first album on. He was, Should we do it? Yeah, fuck it. Let's listen to it. And we we like. <laughs> I mean, actually, listen. Uh, that was the one and only time I ever listened to it. You know.
0: Wow. You have a collaboration with Peter Holmstrom from the the Daddy Warhols. I saw him tweeting about it recently. How how did that come about? Because I, I you guys toured with them, right? Six by seven.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, we. We supported the Dandy Warhols on their first ever tour, and um, nice. here when they came over, uh, we did a gig in Amsterdam, and they were playing it as well. It was called London Calling. They used to do this thing in in Amsterdam, and uh... they still do. Uh, do they still do London? Say, yeah, familiar,
0: yeah.
1: I, yeah. I went. I was in Amsterdam, and the uh, Albert Hammond Jr. was headlining it, and the support band was uh, Sam Fender.
0: Oh, wow. OK.
1: Isn't he like massive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I saw Swarman played like 50 half-drunk uh, Dutch people, and now he's like headlining festivals. So yeah, it's, and that was called London Calling. That was like 2018. So yeah. And is it, is it in the paradise? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it, had, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it had like three different sort of, three different gigs going on at the same time, kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah, brilliant. I was like, this is, it's like 20, 20 euros, just yes,
2: please. Um, yeah, the Paradiso. That was when the when the Germans invaded Holland in the Second World War. The Gestapo took over the Paradiso, and when you go down into the dressing rooms down the stairs, they're torture chambers. Oh. So you're sitting in a torture chamber before you go <laughs> well, there's the play. You so get, Sam fender
1: in a torture chamber. There you go. <laughs> like
0: some kind of twisted charades there, but there there we go.
2: And, the, and it, so the Dandy saw us there, we got back home and then phoned us up and they, they said, Look, we're coming on tour, doing our first. Can you support us? And amazing. I've been friends with them ever since. And um <clears throat> me and Pete were always on about doing something, and then finally we got round to doing it. It's called Walls of Dada, yeah. And he we he came to stay with me. Um, about I was in in the summer. He stayed at my house here for about ten days in this room actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, we um uh we did a gig together at the uh, Rough Trade shop, and and then we went to Rockfield and recorded uh, this this album. Uh, yeah, Incredible. It's Great. I,
0: I'm definitely going to listen to it. I think Dandy Warhol's, uh, I've always enjoyed um, some of their music, but I saw them on their 25th anniversary tour and they played a lot of their back catalogue and it, they really blew me away. And I've been going through their discography. I think they're one of the bands with the best discography out there, almost. I I need to listen to all of it, but uh, I will definitely be listening to, to Wars of Dada. Uh,
2: that's another thing that you said about the band, not making it i've just remembered that was one of the other things you said each song was different yeah mm. and then you said that in that film i i said um we were trying to make music that was fitting into
0: yeah.
2: our record collections that wasn't there that's literally what we were trying yeah. to do i mean that wasn't like that was that we felt that that was quite a positive way to be oh, in a band it you know? is like,
0: it is, but the problem is for the music press who, like, what can they do? I mean, what what I saw more than anything was the new radio heads, and that's not yeah. accurate. <laughs> you know, no. that, uh, at all. And I, I think that's it. And I, I can understand it from both sides, because I think as a musician, it, it must be incredibly frustrating when you're trying to describe what you're trying to do, and then you feel that gets twisted. But I know that as a, as a music lover, because there's just, I mean, especially now, there's so much new music out there that if there isn't a kind of hook for me, if I if I especially now if I see a tweet about someone, if there isn't a hook, I unless you know, I see a picture and they look interesting, why am I gonna go and listen to it? So on a on a recent podcast, I talked about listening to this rapper called um Clip who I went and clicked on the NME article because it said she makes uh Lana Del Rey sad girl rap. And I thought, well, hello there. What the fuck is that? Gonna gonna yeah. click on that. Uh because if it was just like listen to this new American rapper from New York that, that would have been would have been interesting and I think yeah again from my uh, lack of knowledge about six by seven the playlist it's you know I thought as I think I said on the podcast because we'd done an episode on Munson and Fran is a big fan uh and he's a big fan of a lot of Britpop pop acts I thought it was going to be something like that not, not only was it not that but every single song was different so it's it it's very difficult I think if you're a music journalist to re- yeah to accurately re- represent that you have to be a very good journalist to do that.
2: I mean, the, 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 on the on the album, the way I feel today, the third album, mm-hmm. you got so close, right? Mm-hmm. And then it goes into this song, which is called "All My New Best Friends," which I played on Noel Gallagher's Wonderwall guitar. Yeah,
0: yeah, wow. and we
2: had Shirley Bassey's string section, and it's this gorgeous song. And then this song fades out. We faded. We, we ended the song by pulling the lead out of the ha- Hammond organ. Mm-hmm. Pulling you pull them, you pull the lean out mm-hmm. of the Hammond organ and it goes whoa, whoa, like that. And uh, and then the next thing I go, I never promised you shit. And it goes into this rip-roaring punk song. I mean, that's where we went wrong. Well, you,
0: I, <laughs> I was thinking that tactic would work much better these days now that people listen to albums or you know the way that music is released it's so much more like song 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 you know way way in advance and then uh you know like you know fran and i talk about all the time about how we're both big music fans you can see all my cds behind me but we listen to albums so much more rarely these days because in part we're like there's so much new music must must go and seek it out but of, of course there's pleasure in taking a step back and listening to an album. And I loved the fact that Fran put a players together of your songs that sounded like it could have been from uh, from a lot of different bands. But yeah, I think it, it must be difficult to kind of explain that.
2: Well, I, I I think in the podcast, you hit the nail on the head because you kept on going, I, I listened to this one song and I thought, right, that sounds brilliant. And then I went to the next song. It was completely different, but it was really good. And then I went to the next song. it's completely different again. But you know what? I really like it. In fact, I like all three, and then you and you start to think. Well, the lineup of the band was the same. Mm. I mean, we had an organ player, we had two guitarists, a singer, mm. and a drummer and a bass player, and it, and, you know, and it was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you kind of do what what you want to do. Yeah, and, and I've got this theory that your body is it ebbs and flows, we're, we're, we're water mainly, and we ebb and flow, and we fluctuate in our thoughts, and we, we you know, I mean, I've got this little dog, and when you take it out for a walk and it's windy, the dog reacts in a different way, so, you know, as, as living things, we react differently to, um, we go through different moods, like, you know, you might want to go to the gym every day, but maybe the third day, you don't want to go, because, you know, or you have to force yourself or uh, not that i go to the gym. I
0: was thinking, but that's not me.
2: <laughs> no, what a boring way to spend your life. Yeah. But anyway, so the thing is, um, I think it's the same with music. And I and I believe that, you know, if, you know, we would go down the rehearsal room and, 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 and we would talk about the song that we were going to write, the, the kind of song that we were going to make. And if it was going to be, Stoogesy, it was going to be stoogesy. We never thought about marketing or the, what the enemy might think, mm. never came into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to contend with uh, social media in those days either, because that is a blessing and a curse, it seems, for musicians these days. Uh, <laughs> are you going to well, do a TikTok dance, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I can I can see some you know I um there's a fantastic podcast called Switched On Pop that I listen to and their latest episode um was talking about how on TikTok at the moment there's this trend for sped up songs like like sped up remixes and songs I can see plenty of six by seven songs getting that treatment I can imagine a speeded up eat, eat junker become junk and getting really popular but uh, I'm I have wow. to say kind of glad that you're not doing that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: not yet. Not yet. H- who are you working with um, in the studio at the moment? Because um, I saw some clips on, on Facebook and your your drummer seemed pretty wicked. That's my son. Is it son? Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Oh,
1: I, I nice. said wicked. I've not said wicked since about 1994. So <laughs> Is it because me?
0: we have a guest who made music in the 90s? The so
1: drummer
2: gets wicked. Uh- <laughs> uh, the drummer gets wicked. No, Charlie, he's been playing drums since he was eight years old and uh, you know when um, when we had Steve from Placebo in the band, mm. he was like showing him a load of tricks. Oh, that is a good
0: drummer and, uh, to learn tricks from.
2: So yeah, Steve kind of taught him how to play drums a bit, and uh, he, you know, and uh, so Charlie's developed into this fantastic drummer. And I mean, that you know, when you said "Oh, Six by Seven in Name Only," really, I mean, you're you're right. It is just Chris Olley, and and the only thing I can't play really is that. I mean, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a great musician, but I can I can play a bit of keyboards and a bass and a guitar and I can sing. And one thing I can't do is play the drums, but Charlie's like, you know, he's brilliant and he's played on loads of my stuff and he always comes to Rockfield and wherever. So we just went to Rockfield and I, re- I produced an album for a friend of mine called Gentle Eels Devotion. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then um we were working with five sandra down there who's um i used to work a lot with julian cope mm. and um and five sandra worked with julian be- just before me and um he five Thy- he's he's in Hawkwind, and he was in spiritualized and uh he's done i mean he's just done loads of stuff brilliant and we had, we had an absolutely fantastic time down there with him you know just he, he collaborated on like making the Moog sound amazing and stuff, but yeah. So, is that what you meant? Was does that answer your question? Or... Yeah. I think yeah. I think
0: so. And I think before we get into your picks, definitely, I'd I'd love to hear more for you from you on Rockfield Studios and exactly how your fans help you get there and actually get involved in the recording process. Because, I mean, maybe there's other musicians doing that, but I, I don't know any of any other. that. No, no do one's this. doing
2: it. I'm the tell only a, one that's doing it.
0: Tell us, Chris. <laughs> What's
2: all right, about? Okay, so we, we recorded the third album at Rockfield and um, they're brilliant down there. It's family run, Lee's, Lee uh, Kingsley owns it at least. So they've been, Kingsley started the studio in 62, I think. And we were there in 2000, 2001. We did the way I feel today there. And then I had this brainwave. And I, because you've, there's two studios, there's the Quadrangle and the Coach House. I really like the Coach House. The Quadrangle, that's where like Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded. Mm -hmm. But the Coach House is where I think it, I think in one year it had five number one albums come out of it. And they were in Britpop. It, It was, it was, it was like Catatonia cast uh was story morning glory and and a couple of others you know when you record at the coach, chats you come out and you go up the it's a pig it's an old farm it's a farm but it's a working farm mm-hmm. and you go up the road and they've got this big accommodation block and it's fantastic you walk in the front door there's a huge living room and then you go up some steps and there's a huge dining room and a kitchen at the back and then there's seven doors that go off mm-hmm. each so you know if you all come out at the same time in the morning, it's like, morning, morning. And every single, behind each door, there's a big room which with an en suite, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I phoned Lisa and I said, hey, I've got, do you remember? Yeah, I remember you. And I said, um, any chance I can come down and record and bring all my fans with me and fill each room with a, with a couple of people? No problem, Chris. <laughs> I said, give me a price for that. So she gave me a price for it. And then I went on to Kickstarter and I said to my wife, Karen, I went, Kazza, what do you reckon then? Weekend at Rockfield, how much would you pay? You know, uh, and she was like, charge them this. And I, and I said, no, nah, I'll, I'll charge a £400 a room. And uh, And then I launched the Kickstarter and they all sold out in t- like 10 minutes. Incredible. And, and I thought to myself, "What? What? What? <laughs> well, I let myself in for." You know, yeah, is you there, know, was what, there,
1: there some nutters, there? or <laughs> is it quite daunting <laughs> to have all your fans around you trying to play in front of fans? Was there I think, any?
0: I think what you said, friend, was nutters.
1: <laughs> I, I would not say nutters. I would not.
2: Say... <laughs> oh, thought fucking hell. Uh, so anyway, I, I thought this is brilliant, and um, you know they they all sent me the money. I paid the studio bill, and then we. Drove down there, and we, and we had Chris Davis, the original drummer, mm-hmm. and me, and then we and Charlie, and then another bass player. And we did this thing with two drum kits called Abstraction Twelve, which is this double album with five songs on it. It's absolutely mental. And um, so we went, we rehearsed it, and then we went down there, and there was all these guys there, like from Denmark, and there's like you know, okay, from, so it's from not just it's the British country. people.
0: It's it's fans from all over the well, yeah, wherever you're up in the world. And, uh,
2: yeah, there's a guy called Soren from Denmark. He always comes, and Stu and Terry and Mark and and and, and um, absolutely wonderful people. Salt of the earth, you know. Can't believe they look. Like, they're like, this is fucking amazing. Um, they can't believe where well, they are. You know, like, like, I can't. You know, all my favourite records were made here, and then and. I, and uh, the engineer was a bit like, um, okay, so we've got 15 people in the control <laughs> Sitting
0: room. Sitting there, you know, hands clasped, yeah. expectantly, yeah.
2: <laughs> and then um, I, I still remain friends with John Lecky, the producer, so he comes down as well sometimes. Amazing. He, comes, he just sits around drinking beer, goes and sees Kingsley, who he's known since the 60s and then you know, or, or 70s. And um, uh, and, and we, we just kind of, the first night we there on Friday, we have a a cooked meal uh, um, around a huge table with with I think there's about 17 of us there, and uh, then we have a massive, you know, party, and uh, and then the next day we're in the studio recording all day, and then we have another party on Saturday night, and then and then we work all day Sunday, and then everyone goes home, and it's brilliant, you know, and we get an album in the can, and everyone gets an album. And...
0: It sounds incredible. I'm trying um... to think of
1: of which band I like to do that experience with. Um, But uh, yeah, Yeah. but I don't. Part of me doesn't doesn't want to see behind the curtain. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I know what
0: you mean. And also, it's that thing of you know, Chris. I think I can say you seem like a very nice guy now. You know, we're talking to oh, you face to face. Definitely not <laughs> as arrogant as he came across in the press. But uh, I, I, I do wonder.
2: <laughs> yeah, don't forget they made me like
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> the evil, evil press. Whereas we're lovely, neutral podcasters. Yeah, we we know that. We know that exactly. <laughs> um, you know, like when I was a teenager, one of my favorite bands was Radiohead, and I don't think I would want to. I don't think I'd want to peek behind the curtain of Radiohead. I'm I'm happy reading Ed O'Brien's diaries on the internet. That's absolutely fine by me.
2: <laughs> I know I know exactly what you mean. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great way for me to record. And I, I think we've done it eight times now. And do you know what? I actually did it with another band. I've done it with two other bands now. Oh, right, because hey. this, uh, this other band, I Am Lona, a really great band from Nottingham. They came up to me and they said, can you produce us and help us out? And I went, yeah. No, I said, where do you want to record? And they, were, they were, well, we're going to have to go to a local studio. And I said, well, how about Rockfield in Wales? We get, it's all, you know, we'll get fed mm-hmm. and we'll, we we'll, we all get our own ensuite room. And well, we can't afford that. And I went, yes, you can. We do it like this, and um, they did the same thing. We, but they didn't do it via Kickstarter. They just went to their friends in the pub and said, do you want to come along and sponsor us? <laughs> And we just went down there and did, did the same thing. It was great.
0: Chris, you said you weren't focused on marketing, but I, I think you've stumbled across something here. I almost feel reluctant to share this with the wider world because I can see some kind of slimy a and guy being like, aha, well, this is the, the way to, for the future.
1: <laughs> Hello, this is a promo for a podcast about a playlist. Yeah, yeah it's called Playlist, yeah, yeah. My name is Mike Lash, former actor, former comedian. Former creative, former cool dude, this is... Kerry Mitchell, former musician, former art student, current cool dude. We've created a playlist, a fucking brilliant playlist. The best playlist ever to the point where we spoke to each other about how good the playlist is and that we wanted to be the people at a party who's putting on the music and only putting on a few seconds of the music before changing the song because everyone loves those guys at a party. That's us. So each week we have a guest and they have to choose one song to define them as a human person. Person. One song for me, Mike Lash, to sing right after. And then because Mike is not the best person in his family, we've incorporated his mum to give her insight into each song, which will maybe help the guest to define themselves as a person but really we probably shouldn't get bogged down in the format of the podcast it's really heavily edited so it's not actually that boring it's quite short so i really think you'll like it carrie's kids are home so it's probably the end of this promo it is what was it? www.playtheshare.com and available wherever you get your podcasts
2: underrated
0: that was the end of part one and this is now part two where we're going to ask chris to talk about five songs that he's picked from acts that he feels are underrated so i mean chris when when i asked you to do this you you sent me the bands and the songs pretty quickly so i guess that wasn't very difficult for you to do but was
2: that pretty quick i was
0: just like oh maybe we could do this and then you sent me the bands and i thought oh and then i said oh you know like can you maybe pick a song I know that might be difficult and you were like no problem here we go and I was like fantastic yeah. thank you wonderful guest
2: I could have done another you know the thing is I'm thinking now oh I wish I'd have said this other band well, oh, we, you can, know. Still can.
0: We, we can bring them up we can bring them yeah. up for sure but um I was wondering you know is there a theme that kind of unites the five picks that you have have you maybe any relationships with any of them have you worked on them or was it just kind of five bands on your mind at the time that you thought no I want to talk about them and and raise their profile a bit
2: more I always I think, if you think about things too much, then, um, you know, it's best to just, so I I, I thought, well, I, I was lying in bed at the time and I, and I was just thinking, um, oh, uh, this one, this one, this one, this one. Uh, there was Ambulance Limited. Yes,
0: I mean, maybe we can start with that. So that was um, Heavy Lifting by Ambulance Limited.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: What a tune that is! How did you discover this band? Is that band that you loved when it came out, or is
2: it just um, stuff you just... Um, I don't know anything. The weird the, that band is mm. so weird because I was given a promo at the uh, I can't remember when, maybe, um, maybe around two thousand and three, something like that. I can't remember, and I, I I was given this promo probably by I don't know who gave me it. I used to get given these promos. Nice. And- <laughs> I mean, listen to this you know um you go uh, you go in to do a re- uh, an interview at a radio station and they they throw some of their <laughs> promos at you that's great so um, i always used to listen to them and then this one struck me as and uh i i, I found that their uh, i listened to the whole album and i found that their music was like um incredibly good like really um polished mm. and very american great vocals mm. and. And um, I, don't, I have no idea what happened to the band. I mean, the singer was this this handsome geezer, and I don't know what happened to them. That there, he never made another record, as far as I know. I, I don't know. Well, what happened
0: I, I to can them. tell you what Wikipedia says happened. So th- this song is from their um, it's their record called LP. They released another one called New English in two thousand and six bes- before dissolving after a lengthy battle with TVT Records. Is uh, is what Wikipedia says.
2: So they were killed by the record it industry. sounds
0: like it sounds yeah <laughs> it
1: sounds well, like... i think like someone some members have gone on to play with like the killers and stuff up that and i think is it, uh, yeah. yeah and father john misty i think one of them's played with him now but yeah, yeah. like i i am surprised i had no idea this is so me this album so <laughs> oh, like, yeah so, yeah, and obviously, in 2004, I worked in a record store, so it's kind of strange that I wasn't aware of this.
0: Well, do you know what, Fran? I was aware of this band, okay. uh, surprisingly, and I th- I, I ah. think I came across them through something like Kazaa or Groove Shark ah. or another illegal method, but um, the only song I knew from this album was Primitive Brackets, The Way I Treat You, which is a brilliant song. It's kind of a, oh,
2: that's a-, a awesome. bluesy
0: indie banger, uh, I I would would I would, yeah. would summarise it at, but... I love that song and every time i've tried to go into that album and their songs it just doesn't gel with me and when when i put on this song i was like oh this is a bit sun trippy road trippy a bit more fran than me in terms of our personal tastes but then there's this breakdown and the Mm -hmm. ending is totally different so when i listened to it again i was in a new frame of mind um and i was much more open to it and um and yeah appreciated it much more but again i you know we've been talking about this. This song sounds so different to the other song that I know on the album, and I haven't listened to the whole album yet. But I do wonder if it is again another situation like that. The
2: first track on the album's this like eight minute build up. It's just it's something that spirituals will be mm. proud yeah. of, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I to
1: me, I I thought, do you know Guided by Voices, Chris? It yeah. sounds like a Potter's first one, Guided by Voices, and then it goes into. It, it does that- yeah uh, yeah i mean, yeah. What, I mean it's yeah. kind of transformed into a bit like chilled out pink floyd near the end and the acoustic guitar comes out but yeah it's just so up my street and i was like shocked for that. i've never heard this before so thank you for introducing me to ambulance limited it's sad to know that they've only done like one and a half albums but um and,
2: and, and it's a that guy's yeah. voice i, I mean i wish sure i could sing like that and it, it, you know the thing is I, he hasn't gone on to do anything since
1: then maybe he just got pissed off at, you know he. he all of the issues of the record label maybe
2: he's Fender. He's changed his
0: name. <laughs> you heard it here first conspiracy rock theories uh. with babs fran and chris <laughs> so i guess um chris that was maybe your most rock pick of the of the playlist because um one of your other picks was loss by plaids who are from warp oh. that you've mentioned that you were yeah. A, a big fan of so uh yeah how come well, that, uh,
2: yeah plaid you see i picked them because everyone always talks about apex twin and square pusher mm-hmm. and uh Orteca, and plaid kind of like get a little bit lost uh, uh, i think uh, maybe they don't, I don't I'd, I'd never maybe heard, heard of them deep, and this is
0: totally up my street once again um yeah
2: supply yeah i it? was
0: really surprised i've written some you know very um astute m- music criticism i wasn't expecting a bleepy bloopy 21st century mario game computer game beginning <laughs> it really surprised me because it was this was the first song that i listened to but i absolutely loved this because the the synth line and the per- percussion are entrancing i i it was it's repetitive mm-hmm. but not boring i lost myself in this completely
2: it's electronic crowd rock it's brilliant and the, and the thing about it is 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 um... What I find about Plaid is, is when you listen to their album, you can tell it's them straight away. Right. If they do this weird, they use these, I don't know what it is, like major seventh with nine suspended fifth or something, but they bring this chord in and it's like immediately, uh, it's, it's almost like they patented this kind of series of chords and they bring them in and you know immediately it's Plaid. Mm. It's, quite, it's quite amazing, really. The sumptuousness of the sounds that they create, and um, there's another thing. You know, um, I don't know if you know. There's a company called Electron who make these drum machines. They're oh. quite complex, yeah. and the guys from Electron they they must have given them this drum machine, and they they did this album with it. This this music with this drum machine, and 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 it's like uh, again, it, you can immediately tell it's them, and I think that they did sort of a limited edition twelve inch but it's up on the up, up on YouTube and I I often listen to that. I put it on and I just listen to it. It's a bit like four tet or something. You could just like listen to it and there's there's it's like this electronic music that's somehow really engaging and draws you in, and you can't quite put your finger on why. I
1: think there's only a few record labels when you can hear a band and think, okay, they're on that label. And as soon as I heard it, I thought, this sounds like a bit Warp vibes. And, yeah, I went, oh, yeah, they're on Warp. And, like, you can't do that with many bands. I guess maybe Factory, in a way. But, um, yeah, I, I put down, this is perfect background music for an anxiety-inducing uh, sci-fi computer game. And then I looked at Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, they've done the soundtracks of computer games, Right, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah it makes sense makes, makes sense. sense yeah and yeah I, mean, I, I think after four minutes it has that really warmth. synth comes in and yeah. really lifts it so yeah yeah. I, yeah yeah it was something i don't tend to listen to but yeah is that my street i think the simp sound was, was wonderful
0: yeah i think the other band i i kind of had written down for this and maybe one of the other picks was boards of canada as well who were yeah yeah another yeah. another war band another band that i've only heard one of their albums and Get a bit obsessed with it, but then I'm like, Whoa, this is too electronic for me now. I need to need to go and have a break. So and then randomly
1: Maximo, Maximo Park came out on the warp label and changed it all.
0: What? Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: Maximo Park, who are a warp band. It was like, okay, we've now got a, an indie right. band. <laughs> suddenly you're on, on warp records, but there you go. Learning some things. Lone Lady. Lone Lady, I mean, yep. Yeah. She's yeah. on
0: warp. Yeah, that that is not who I'd expect either. I think look, if you don't know her, Fran, I think she's up your street.
1: But yeah, I guess they gotta change. I mean, like Nick Cave is on mute. Isn't it? And all mute records, with nothing. To, with nothing like Nick Cage when it yeah. started, you know. Mm. So that's not you've got. Yeah. you got to diversify. So um, yeah. So we move on to um,
2: Gaz Coombs, which yeah, you're seeing
1: this week, Kirkus.
2: Yeah, Gaz Coombs is a weird one because um, I mean, obviously he's in uh, the singer in Supergrass, who run, you know, like a British institution, mm-hmm. really. Um, and uh, you know, Supergrass with this band that. I started off kind of almost like a sort of buzzcocksy, much better though. Like a really great band, and they're very young, and then they developed and made better and better records, and and and. Um, uh, but um, I think Gaz Coombs is, you know, it's one of those things where, um, it when you leave and you do a solo career. you 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 might you might think that all the Supergrass fans will go with you but they don't my son Charlie he 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 got me into it really and he was like you know listen to this and he listened to it and it's it's like Scott four it's like the Beach Boys I mean the production is incredible Mm -hmm. and then I just I just go and see him live because he's always going out about playing live and often on his own and it's a bit like watching I used to go and watch John Martin a lot when I was younger because John Martin, you could always go and see him because he played about 350 <laughs> gigs a year. So he was always playing somewhere nearby and I used to go and watch John Martin and he would be different every time. But um, the uh, the thing about Gas Coons is that he reminds me a bit of when I used to go to John Martin gigs. He's got that kind of, he's just a great, he's like proper, you know, mm-hmm. he just, he, you stand there and you watch him. And I really recommend, going to see him, uh, regardless of what you think of his music or what you think of Supergrass, just go and see Gaz Coombs on his own and just watch it. It's absolutely
1: mesmerising. I, I saw him play a festival, but it wasn't the best conditions because I think no, that's, again, that now I was like shouting for all right. And it felt oh, a bit no. so for him, you know, but he had the lovely, lovely hat and he, he still seems to enjoy himself, but, but he didn't lovely play. Yeah, a lovely hat. Um but yeah but what kind yeah, of hat, yeah, please. Hat. I want
2: the
0: detail. Was it trilby? I
2: mean, was I'm it straw a hat?
1: Let's say more trilby than straw hat. A straw <laughs> hat would be, would be quite interesting. But yeah, I I, I never heard um 2020 before and uh, I was I was um shocked um to be fair because uh I thought it's brilliant and yeah it's really atmospheric. It's, it's got a soulful piano piano, great back singers. Oh, and like and I, I always it,
2: the back is all the yeah,
1: girls yeah. singing. They, the, he almost sounds you know. a little bit like Tom York as well at some points, and that was interesting. But um, yeah, uh, uh, but very, it, it makes sense, topical. you know. This is if you are going to go solo, be different to Supergrass, because like, what's the point of why you see know? that? So this makes total sense. Like, I don't think Supergrass would have been allowed by the fan base to maybe do something like this. So you know, it completely makes sense. And yeah, I love this track. This is the best on the playlist for me.
2: And the the thing about it is, it, it goes back to that thing about making music that that's in between the mm. cracks of your record collection. So when I hear the Gaz stuff, I'm thinking, I know, I can hear that he's a massive Scott Walker fan, and I can hear that he's into the Beach Boys now. But he's done, you know, you have got your Scott Walker, and he's put one in the middle, you know, and it, and it doesn't it doesn't sound like either, but you can hear the references, and I think. You know he should be headlining the Pyramid Stage. I mean, I really believe that. If you go and see him, it's like he's he's absolutely nuts. He's so he's so up there. But I just think like watch his performance on Jules Holland. It, it's it's crazy. And then he. The other thing is, I'm a bit of a crowd rocker and he puts all the crowd rock references in there and it, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, he has a new album out today, literally today, called Turn the Car
2: Around. No, I've been hearing it all fucking day. I mean, like, everyone is playing, it's coming out of all these different nice. rooms. Yeah, it's great. Is it, is it a completely different vibe to Victor
1: 2020? What sort of direction has he gone this time?
2: Oh, this album's more um, mainstream. Oh, it? It's very. Of, yeah, it's very well produced. All his stuff is really, really. I mean, he does it himself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he
2: wrote and and um, produced uh, that track. And he's a bona fide genius. That guy. I would I would put him in the category of genius.
0: Yeah this this was an interesting one for me because I we haven't done Supergrass as overrated but I I would like to because I feel that Supergrass is one of those bands that people really really rave about. And I, I haven't quite got it to be honest. I, I really like moving and uh, and a few other things, but maybe because there's something a bit melodic about it, it doesn't quite jelly. I, I can be a bit uh, grumpy with nice, nice sounding music. And when this started, uh, I thought, okay, the the xylophone synth melody line is interesting, but it didn't grab me. But then these kind of menacing synths come in, and it it changes and it changes and it changes. And yeah, I really love the choir as well, and I yeah i really enjoyed it on re-listening but i i still feel and maybe i need a bit more time with it it feels like lots of disjointed ideas rather than one coherent song for me so i was pleasantly surprised because it wasn't the sound that i was expecting i was expecting something a bit more super grassy but i think it, it with me it didn't immediately hit but i'm not saying that it wouldn't in future that's that's how i felt about it
2: over underrated sous évalué. Over underrated. I think this underrated thing is difficult, isn't it? I had to look it up in the dictionary. I think the, the, the dictionary is it talks about value, doesn't it? In the dictionary, it says something like. Um, <laughs> I've not, yeah, not looked it up. undervalued. Believe should have had more value, mm. or something like that. It's quite interesting when you look stuff up in the dictionary. I I once did um mm. when when they did the um uh when beggars did the uh, the dream is sweeter than the taste film mm. they asked me to introduce it on in the on the opening in the cinema and um i decided to do a lecture on on failure on on um on failing yeah fa- so I, I thought you know i'll do a i'll do a talk about failure and i looked it up in the oxford dictionary and there's no definition for it all it says is the opposite of success now success is completely subjective Mm. now one man's success is another man's nightmare and vice versa you know a lot of rock stars like for example become extremely successful and they don't think they're big enough and shoot their brains out or something Mm. you know but it really is completely subjective but i was fascinated by the idea that when you look in the Oxford Dictionary a definite, you always get a definition and in this case it said they, we, it's just the opposite of success, which is not a definition when you started
1: the band, what was your idea was as a success for you personally
2: to get on John Peel yeah. so that's a very guess you, yeah, you managed that we did five peel sessions yeah. and I was absolutely right and then when we did Jules Holland, I mean that really was like wow because. You know, I used to have posters of Debbie Harry on my bedroom wall, and she was standing there. In, you, you, When you play on Jules Holland, you play like in a circle. Mm-hmm. And we were at six o'clock, and Blondie were at 12 o'clock. And while I was playing, all I could see was Debbie Harry sitting on the drum rollers and going like that. Oh, brilliant.
0: That must have been surreal. Uh,
2: and all I could think was how many pictures of her I'd jerked off <laughs> over as a teenager. And for fuck's sake, don't drop your plectrum, Chris. You know. <laughs> you like, you know, these amazing things happen to you oh. in your life. I, I remember sitting there. Um, get, em, get em, I went in because in the BBC you can get a free haircut. Uh, really? You know. What? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They've got
0: this. to get in on that. <laughs> they've,
2: they've got this makeup department. Oh yeah, and yeah. you get in. And you know, they put they, they tie you up for the TV. And um you have to put some thing on your face, otherwise you look like a ghost. Yeah. yeah. And Ronnie Spake is sitting next to me and we we talked at length about children and stuff like that. And I remember walking out down the corridor and going, How weird has my life just got? I mean, like, things like that happening and and you know, Terry Hall coming in into our Uh, using our toilet and 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 and, uh, you know playing a gig and 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 looking out and seeing terry hall standing there dancing all these weird things happened to me that were absolutely amazing and uh, i i i remember like when we got our first peel session i remember thinking that's it i've done it
0: Mm -hmm.
2: anything after this is a bonus you know that sounds
0: quite healthy you know, much better attitude to have than I must sell out stadiums.
2: The only other thing I really wanted to do was was um, play on top of the pops. That would have been great. But... W- were you close at all? Or... Yeah, we 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 got to number forty two in the charts. W- what song was that? I owe you love ah. under the Milky Way. And you should have
0: bought more copies, and then you could have. I was I, I was too young.
2: <laughs> well,
1: see, I, I bought that album in Seattle, but it was a year after it came out, unfortunately.
2: I've got a really interesting story about I, like I, 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 I left Wakefield. I I, t- I finished art college. I started at university yeah. in Nottingham and I studied photography and, and my mate he, that I was in about, he did me this cassette, but he didn't put any of the, um, he didn't give me a piece of paper with it saying what was on it. And there's all these bands on it I'm listening to. I'm still hearing stuff now coming out of the radio. I'm like, oh my God, that's on that cassette. And there was this song on this cassette called Under the Milky Way Tonight. Now, while we're talking about bands, songs that were underrated, this is like the pinnacle of all underratedness ever. Mm. You know, this is like Under the Milky Way is the most underrated. I can't imagine why it didn't go to number one all around the world. And I always remember thinking to myself, if I ever go into a band that really made it. What I would do is I would rewrite that song, and then I would I would uh, get it to number one in the charts, and then everybody, and then I would I would it would be like the joke that film, the Joker. You know, at the end when you're on the talk show, I would go, "Guess what? It's under the Milky Way tonight <laughs> by the church," and I would make the church. Rich and famous, (laughs) put them where they belonged. This actually happened, so I did. Well, no, it didn't because uh, we got to number (laughs) forty-two, not number one. But the thing is that what was great about it was I did it, and no one knew about this band, right? And then I did it, and I went out and did uh, some press for it. Well, I think um. The record label, like, this is really good. We've got to use this as a single. It reminds me of something. I don't know what. I, I, just, I just kept my mouth shut. And, and then the next minute, this film comes out called Donnie Darko, right? And it's this underground cult smash. And guess what song is in it? Under the Milky Way tonight. So I start getting inundated with emails going, it's really great, man, to see six by seven in this film. <laughs>
0: Ah, so, Fran, you weren't the only one that spotted that connection.
1: Yeah, but, <laughs> no, but, yeah, but no, but so, but I, I obviously I know that song for a long time. But it was only last year when someone pointed out to me that that song sounds like the church because I had never heard that church song. So I, exactly. yeah, I, I had like 18 years of and I never heard Under the Milky Way.
2: So in a way, it worked. It did work. It did work because that. that but then what? Happened, but the story gets even weirder because what happened then was the church reformed because of Donny Dark. Yeah. right. So, everyone's going up to the church going, we'll give you X amount of money to play over here. So, anyway, we go, we did the, we do our first gig of The Way I Feel Today at the Bull and Gate in London. It's like a small gig, a warm, you know, to the press, you know, and all that. And um, I find out that just down the road at the underworld, uh, Camden Underworld, the church are playing. Then the ma- my manager phones me up and he says, look, BBC Two, they do this thing called out and about and they go mm. out and about and they record sound checks and talk to the bands and stuff. Yeah. And they're going to come into the Bulling Gate. And, um, uh, you know, so be nice if you see them. And then, uh, so I saw I saw them with the microphones and that. And then we finished sound checking. I walked past them, and this, The girl talked to me and I said to her, um, oh, did you get everything you wanted? She went, yeah. Do you know She said, do you know, this is so fucking weird, but we've just been, we've just been down this venue down the road and there's this fucking band and they're playing the same fucking song. (laughs) No, no, no. no." (laughs) Then I went out to do the press for the album and I find out that under the Milky Way tonight went to number one in Belgium.
0: Hey, where I'm living. There we go. Yeah.
2: I go to this big the the main, the big radio station, whatever it is there in Belgium, really posh, you Studio know. Studio Brussels. Who knows?
0: Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> what was it called? Well, there's
0: the main kind of rock station is one called Studio Brussels. Uh, the, yeah. Of the,
2: the music. And it, it, it looks like it's all glass and it's really, really kind of modern and beautiful in there and everything. And I go in to do this interview with this uh, DJ. She looks at me and she goes, all right, welcome, Chris. Why? <laughs> And I look at it and I say, why what? What do you mean why? Why have you done this? This is sacrilege. This song you've murdered. And I said, oh, I didn't think anyone knew it. It went to number one. It went to number one in Canada as well.
1: It was a song that introduced me to the band. So there you go. It worked for me. Uh,
2: and the thing is, if you go on to into YouTube and then you look at all the comments underneath, they're all going, everyone's kind of like slaying it because it's like someone's like, you know, saying, uh, six-by, write your own original songs, why don't you? And then Steve Kilby is in the church on his Facebook. He was extremely annoyed about it. Right. <laughs> he, he was pissed off that we'd done this, you know.
0: Uh, and you were just trying to do an homage.
2: It's like Beggar said to me, if you if they were going to sue you, you'd have been sued by now.
0: <laughs> well, let us hope that we're not the. <laughs> The initiators of something.
1: You've got another song, uh, Twenty Twenty. Yes. <laughs> I Coinc- about coincidence that. or
0: <laughs> by Sons.
2: Oh man, how
0: weird is that? <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you trying to? Was COVID uh, a good time for you? <laughs> are you? Are you trying to hark back to that?
2: <laughs> I wanted to put Sons in there, but um, I went over to um, to look at the the tune because I couldn't remember what it was called, and then it was like, oh man, this is called Twenty Twenty as well. Uh yeah, but that that's uh sons are uh, again, um I find them really interesting the way that they um approach making music and uh that I mean that song with the um with the bottleneck guitar with that yeah 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 you know, making that a, a, a sort of this whining kind of Robbie Krieger esque sort of guitar going through it. I, I really like them. I, I I often listen to their albums, yeah. And his voice is just like, I mean, he it's he, crazy. I mean, he's got this almost like a, I don't know how to describe his voice, but it's he, like, who, who are we going to have in the band singing? You know, anyone but him. And and it's like, he's the singer in the band. <laughs> he's like, you do it. All right, then. And, and he, he, he just kind of does it like he doesn't want to do it. It's brilliant. <laughs> he, it's like a sort of, M- marky smith on mogadon or something
1: you know i saw them do it live on K- key and yeah you were yeah. yeah he's kind of like singing like i don't know as if there's a, yeah. a gun off camera kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah. did you
0: know sons fran
1: no no i've I'd never heard it before um yeah that riff i was really interesting i think maybe after the whole song i got a bit too repetitive for me and i was maybe expecting something else to happen like so, so, maybe like a firework or a sparkle or something so it didn't really work for me but it reminded me of a northern Ireland band called Django Django I don't know if yes. you know them yes yeah Yes. Sort of, that sort of like mix of like uh of rhythms and and guitar sounds but yeah not my favorite on the playlist but yeah but i, I did i did enjoy like the falling down the stairs kind of guitar sound sort of thing <laughs> <That's nicely described. laughs> but yeah i just wish there's something else maybe at the end to offer a bit more for me that well
0: was- i thought i didn't know this uh so if someone had asked me okay sons who do you think they are i would have said oh it's some kind of obscure electro act that's on like the quietest is best of lists um and i thought i didn't know them but it turns out i not only saved the song but another song called paralyzer so when this started i was like oh yeah the to take france terminology the falling down the stairs guitar i absolutely like perfect music for an advert um and yeah i absolutely love this and it just this and actually your your next pick chris that we'll get into like there was this period when I, I think I just got Spotify where I was like, oh my God, like all the music, all the time, everywhere. And I just went down so many playlists and saved so many songs that I then didn't listen to again. So I think I saved this back in 2017 and I don't know how many times I've listened to it or anything and now I'm like, oh, I really need to listen to music more mindfully because this is totally up my street once again. Um, I wrote, it, it reminded me of Mirway a little bit, you know, the Madonna producer, have you ever yeah. heard his soda stuff run like no, yeah. no, no well yeah,
2: I've
0: got it, yeah. He, yeah and, Brilliant. and i thought this and some other bands that i don't know of but you you've uh I, I couldn't quite put my finger on what else it sounded like but it's a lovely dark atmosphere and once again with the sort of uh, i've written spooky ghost voice and that disco drum beat which is very kind of yeah noughties indie mm-hmm. revival and uh, i thought again wikipedia summarized it quite interesting they said so this band um, are firmly wedged between the experimental, experimental and indie sections of your local record shop. The band's instantly identifiable brand of vampiric electro-rock has unravelled like a scroll. So
1: vampiric electro-rock. Vampiric
0: electro-rock. Very plosive, <laughs> there go. but lovely. Lovely stuff.
1: <laughs> that's a, that's a, new, a new genre we've learned today. There we go. Um, Chris, speaking of, of genres, did you enjoy critics um telling you what genre you belong to did you find it <laughs> interesting how they you described your band is it like post rock or post Britpop or electro rock or what sort of terms did you get we were post rock
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah that was the intern back in no. we were in there with mogwai
0: such a vague t- i've never understood post rock post punk i understand post rock no what is that
2: post rock um that's where some Um, It was described by, I think the guy that coined the phrase, he described it as you take the beginning of Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones, Mm -hmm. you know, you know the beginning of that? And that's it, and you stretch it out for eight minutes. Uh, That's post rock.
0: I'd say six six by seven a bit more than that.
1: There's always another term every two years. They wanted to have a new little box to, to market, didn't they, really? I mean, How that, they that just
0: continues now. Like, I yeah. think it's even worse now. Uh, I haven't got Spotify anymore, but I miss the whole like they tell you what genres you listen to, and you're like, I, I, what? <laughs> I
1: do. Uh, has Six by Seven ever been approached to have your music in like a film or TV show or anything at all?
2: Yeah. I mean, we had um. We had um another love song was used by Danny Boyle in Sunshine.
1: Oh really? I like that I think it was the trailer. I think oh, okay.
2: So yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, various stuff's been used. There was a film with John Peel in it. It was uh, called Dwarves of Death, I think. They used candlelight in that. Um I don't know, not it hasn't happened much. And uh, we nearly got um we nearly got a Range Rover advert once which would have been like, I think it was uh, 180,000 pounds or something oh, like that. <laughs> we put it, and, and it was just when we did our own, it was the 04 album. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's the opening track and it had, it had this line in it that was um, on an open road. Look, um, I'm on an open road. Don't tell me I'm a rebel on an open road looking for a cause i know i'll never find and they were like you know this range rover and and uh, we were absolutely fucking hanging on with you know and oh, went man. to the black keys instead oh, but yeah we've had stuff on like tv and but no not really
0: six by seven the musical no i'm
2: hanging in there i'm waiting
0: uh, right, okay, let's let's get to to Chris's final pick and then I think yeah, I am sure we have a few more questions. Um so your, your final pick, Chris, was Cavern of Antimatter TARDIS Symbols. So uh yeah. why did you pick this one?
2: Oh, I love Cavern of Antimatter. They're absolutely brilliant. I've got all their albums and they're um I've never seen them live. They live in Berlin, I think. And um but it's the guy from Stereo Lab, mm. Tim and um, he's gone and done it again. He's just, he's taken all his, his crowd rock, his love of crowd rock. And uh, he's found another way to make a new kind of crowd rock. And it's absolutely brilliant.
1: I, I knew so, but I was not aware of this band at all. And I thought, I thought interesting title, Tardis Symbols. Um, I, I see it's a Doctor Who reference. Yeah. Do you know what? I put on the playlist in the background while I was, I was working from home. And then this song started. And I was enjoying it and then it kept on going and I was still enjoying it but I just carried on working and I thought hang on (laughs) like has this gone through through twice (laughs) so yeah so this is the best working from home music out there I would say and it kept me interesting and um, I think seven minutes in it brings in this like warbling guitar sound which I thought was brilliant and yeah it put me in a better headspace so you know people say in the Spotify era you have to have like a, a boom boom two minute hook but you know and I'm happy about you know there's still these 12 minute beautiful epics which you know I've always kind of liked hence y- y- yourself and other like I like sea uh, power or British sea power and they've got quite a few 10 minute opuses um, so I'm always a fan of but I prefer six by7s
0: to sea powers ones as uh, <laughs> as our previous listeners might realize but uh, yeah <laughs>
1: But yeah, perhaps, yeah perhaps. So
0: this was another one that I saved back in 2017 along with uh, Melody and High Feedback Tones. I completely forgotten about it. I actually thought that, because there's a Belgian band called Creature with the Atom Brain and I think I just kind of melded the two in my mind. I thought this was an obscure Belgian band that I saved in but no, it turns out the, yeah, the the guy from Stereolab, another band where I've saved, I've got three songs saved by Stereolab. Again, one I know about them but I don't know more. Um, well, I think Fran, you're a bigger Fan. Well, probably,
1: I probably know two or three tracks. Two or three tracks. There's, there's always, it's always like that one song which is on in a lot of montages mm. in the nineties. Yeah. I always forget the There we go. There
0: we go.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: but it's. I'm thinking because I hadn't realised that I'd written this, but I think Chris, you were a little bit dismissive about Chemical Brothers and Fatboy Slim and all those people, but actually that's kind of who I wrote down for this because. No, I didn't
2: mean to be dismissive. I meant that's what people were listening like, to okay. rather than going to yeah. no i love all that okay stuff. good I love fat boys slim and the chemical brothers and all okay, that i was love thinking
0: it. like it's not it's not a million miles away from uh, from some of the stuff that you were doing yeah no i um i recently guested on a podcast where i had to talk about dig your own Hole" by chemical brothers in great 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 detail um and yeah that's what it reminded me of but, um well you know not definitely you could see the the influences there but yeah i think fran you summarized it much better than i could i was trying to kind of write down what i felt and what i thought it sounded like and i was like i i can't write nice synths menacing synths uh you know (laughs) in many other ways so yeah there's a there's a review which talks about oh it's got pastoral guitars flute-like synths vast constellations of sparkling metallic detail yeah that's much better thank you uh pitchfork or whoever it was um, but yeah I, I really really enjoyed this and again I was like god damn it I keep listening to like a couple of songs from an album and being like great saving them and then I forget about them and I don't come back to them so I'm I'm in this constant like oh want to listen to new music but also really need to kind of trim down my library and I yeah I never know what the what the balance is and I think sometimes I'm more in the mood for for discovering a new music and yeah, sometimes I'm more in the mood to, to listen to old classics over and over again. Um but yeah, no, thank you, Chris, for kind of reintroducing me to two bands that I already liked but had forgotten about. Uh I thought this was a pretty solid playlist uh of underrated acts.
2: Yeah, I mean the other one I would add to it is Ty paul Sandra, who I was in the studio with last week. And I've I've just been listening to his stuff. I mean, fucking hell. It's absolutely incredible. Excellent. Do you know a band called Coil?
0: I do not. Fran. Uh,
2: no, no, no. Mm-hmm check out coil excellent I mean, they're dead now i mean uh, there's time for still alive but the other two are dead but i mean just listen to it. It's, it
0: you know well chris what normally happens is any band that gets mentioned also gets put on a spotify playlist that we make so the spotify playlist is going to be your the five tracks that you've picked and then any other band we've mentioned and we've mentioned a lot so if it's on spotify is going in there and actually one of the questions i had that i didn't ask at the beginning was you know i was i was kind of pleasantly surprised to see that most of the picks that you have a kind of yeah more modern picks you know i think the earliest song is the 2004 ambulance limited one i wondered whether you had any underrated now that we've discussed the the definition, any underrated peers bands that you played with you mentioned a few like bivouac and others but Any other bands from those, from kind of your era of making music at the beginning that you think got overlooked at the time?
1: Yeah. Like any band who who supported you who never sort of went on to do what you thought it
2: should? Oh, do you know what? The the trouble was that every band that supported us became really big. (laughs) British (laughs) bricks. I mean, you name it, every single band we were like, oh, they're pretty good, let's take them on tour. And then and then about a month later they were like massive. So you have um, the opposite
0: if, like Fran really likes a band and then they're Cursed to Oblivion, whereas you like a band and they become more famous than you. So
2: Yeah, you need to become an a&r man.
0: Together you yeah. need to make uh, some kind of weird superhero team, clearly, musical superheroes. Uh so yeah, as well as Kasabian, what other bands supported you that that became massive?
2: Muse. <laughs>
0: yeah. Ah the voice uh, containment, um, yeah.
2: The libertines. Wow. Uh that's Liberty's is an interesting. Uh, oh thing. God, uh, I can't. There's just I made a list of them once and I was absolutely horrified.
1: <laughs> and, mean, uh, have they returned the favour by offering anything?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, Muse actually offered uh, offered us to um, to support them at the Isle of Dogs at this massive outdoor thing. Yeah, and I, I said no. Oh. He said, and I said, I think your band sucks. <laughs> 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 well,
1: you know, at least you're not sending out, so
2: that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely not.
2: No, I, I just can't stand that kind of bombastic stadium rock, you know. Oh, Snow Patrol supported us as well.
0: Really? Oh, my God.
2: Yeah, up in Edinburgh, we were well, half the band ended up going back to their house and getting drunk with them. I didn't. I went back to the hotel. But... um yeah um there are loads but I, I, to answer your question um bands that were back then that should have been bigger mm. no because yeah six by seven because we were the only ones really that were at the bottom of the heat and stayed
0: there there we go you heard it here chris agrees with us that, of our assessment that six by seven underrated how nice to how no- and surprising to hear that
2: <laughs> true oh that was something else you talked about as well uh, you talked about the the fact that maybe the band didn't tour enough to become big. Oh, we did a lot of touring, and you talked about festivals as well. I mean, we played Glastonbury like eleven times or something. I mean, we played Reading Festival three times, Phoenix Festival. Um, we played every fest Benny Cassine. We played really high up on the bill. We played um, uh, every festival in Europe. We did a lot, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I mean I have never seen you on a bill. I've been i just been unlucky to never see six by seven live.
2: Maybe you did and you just were like tripping or something. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe maybe we were so crap it just passed you by. <laughs> like, you you never know. You never know.
0: Well listen, I mean, uh Fran, I don't know if you have any more questions.
1: You've got you've got your your, your podcast on Facebook, haven't you? Is that getting released soon?
2: Um. Yeah, we might, we might. Yeah, I've just been sent the film footage for that. Oh, cool. yeah, I'm going to go through it and then edit it and put it up. But yeah, Fran, I've written two books. If you if you're interested about the band, the songs, and you want to know about them, um, I've written a book called The Things I Make, and it's got 51 lyrics in it. It's got a 5,000 word essay, 51 lyrics and then it's got an essay on each song and what it's about and how it was recorded and what and it, oh, it really, it's you know i um i went to a billy bragg gig and uh, and there's a great guy who is a 6 by 7 fan and he does billy bragg's merch he always wears a 6 by 7 fan a t-shirt when he's doing billy's merch mm. and uh, billy billy wrote this book in that format essay 50 songs and then um I um, copied it basically, <laughs> and I did my own. I did my own version of it, and uh, I uh, I gave him. Uh, he bought two copies, and he gave one to Billy, and uh, and then I said to him a couple of months ago, I said, "Did Billy read my book?" And he said, "Yeah, he did." And I said, "What did he say?" And he went, uh, "He went. Um, I hope he's all right now." <laughs> 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 it's like. This guy's having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Brilliant! But yeah, and then I've written an autobiography as well, called "Counting Clouds in a Clear Blue Sky," which it's got it's got a lot of stories in it about the you know like the the interviews that we did and mm-hmm. all that of stuff. But unfortunately, you can't buy that anymore because I've withdrawn it now. Um, I haven't got a copy of it here either. But you can get the other one on Amazon, and that's worth getting. It's only seven quid or something. It's worth getting if you want to know about the songs and and what they're about and how my nervous breakdown was unfolding over like seven albums, you know. Right. But it's all. The, it's mainly. It's it's mainly the early stuff. It's all the early stuff.
0: We will definitely yeah. link to that in the show notes. Um, yeah, brilliant. Oh
2: yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. no, definitely. Is there anything else you want us to plug at all, Chris? Or do you want us to wait until you release um some new material your podcast and
2: I'm doing um a release on f- when's this coming out Thursday yeah, yeah. well but we can, we can doing... we can delay
1: it if you want us to if
2: there's something you want no to... no I'm doing a release on Friday perfect. Perfect. yeah I, I I do this this krautrock thing and it's called Six by Seven Radio Bremen Yep, yeah and um, it's like live I what I try and do is I try and do live little live sessions. I, Radio Bremen was a radio station in Germany which used to play a lot of the early krautrock stuff before anyone else did and they used to do sessions mm-hmm. and uh, so i kind of like do do that and um, and i'm releasing this as a, 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 as a with a walkman you get a, nice. you get a walkman a radio Bremen Walkman with a cassette in it with the album in, and that's going to come out next Friday. Again, marketing, Chris. You're, you're yeah, a great I, again, marketer.
0: I'm just—I'm honestly, Chris, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant.
2: I mean, I'm just trying to. Like, <laughs> I've just started doing Facebook now because yeah. I mean, we—you know—we've had Facebook up for a long time, but I've never really bothered with it, and I've been doing this online marketing course and. Um, you know this girl. This girl that I'm doing it with, she's like, you got to do every, every day. You got to post something. So I've started doing it, and I'm doing. So I'm sort of sitting in here in my room, playing old six by seven songs and putting them up, and uh, and it's really kind of kicked the whole thing into life. And I've started like doing advertising on it, and, and all and all this sort of thing, because uh, I I I it would be nice to. To get the band out to a few more people, I think, you know. Great to see posting.
0: And I guess maybe yeah. maybe a nice way to finish is um what are your upcoming plans apart from the Radio Bremen Walkman? Are, when's the next Rockfield date? What are you what what direction are you going in, Chris?
2: I'm I'm going down to Rockfield on the first uh weekend in February. Great. Mm-hmm. And that's with the whole posse again. <laughs> uh last time we didn't do it that we just paid for it ourselves, but this time the whole posse is coming down and I'm taking, um, the bass player and the guitar player from I am Lono, and we're going to, we're going to record, uh, together there much of the, much in the same way that we did, uh, um, the dream on stuff that I did at Rockfield and the walls of Dada. Mm-hmm. I've got this, uh, I, I've, I've got this light system that I've built and, um, it is someone's built it for me actually, Um and it's a box with 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 switches on it with lights, and then out of that comes cables, and that goes to the musicians, and they have the light boxes in front of them. And when I switch the lights on, they have to do different things. So I I'm orchestrating orchestrating the music as it's happening. That sounds. That sounds so good. for example, when the the first light, like the drummer isn't allowed to play. When the second light comes on, he's allowed to play cymbals. When the third light comes on, he's allowed to play a beat. And when the fourth light comes on, he's allowed to just go mad. And so what you can do is you can, I do it live. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm. People, You know, we do these massive crescendos where the drummers go mad and then all of a sudden everybody stops at the same time and they think we've rehearsed it for years. And it's just a light telling people what to do. I
1: think I think Brian Eno does some, uh, similar production techniques with... Um, well, that's dancing. interesting
2: because yeah. I, when, when you make music, I always find that the very first thing you do is the best and everything else is chasing your tail. So you pick up a guitar, you know, and you'll be like... And you start writing a song and then you go, oh, I'll go and do it properly now and it's never the same. Yeah. And, and so I devised this system to capture music as it's being written and what you don't want to do is you don't want to just jam because it just sounds chaotic and crap and What you, so what you want to do is you you want you want the music to build and then you want it to break down and stop and this light system does that and if you go onto Bandcamp and you listen to um um the wars of dada the very last album that we did so it was me charlie and Pete from the dandies. And we used this light system at Rockfield to record music. And there's like five hours of it. And, it, and it's, and it's amazing. It's just, you, you know, it sounds like we've been doing it for years, but it was all improvised. It's all done on the spot. And if you go to the 6x7 Bandcamp page, there's a series of albums called Dream On and the first two, Dream On 1 and 2, were done like that at Rockfield as well. With this with this light box machine. So what we're doing now is we're going to go down on the first week of February and we're going to do it again, but with two other people. Uh, you know, amazing. And the first thing you have to do is you have to grab all of them and go. When that lights on, you don't play. We did we
1: their uh, film film that as well, like a live session. Could do. That'd be quite interesting to
2: watch. Yeah, that's a really good it's idea. The fan
0: marketing uh, twist there.
2: Consider it done, Fran. Welcome. We'll call it. We'll call it a frano
1: video. Well, because if you've got all these lights, you, you need to have. You know, it sounds like a visual thing as well as the audio thing. I
2: oh, know the lights are tiny. Oh, okay. They're they're like um they like this. You know, the sort of light you get on a fuzz box on yeah. a pedal. It's that.
1: It's tiny. Maybe to make it more visual, we can have spotlights with colours, but now... <laughs>
2: Fran, you're giving Whatever away the you this for free, man. Like uh. <laughs> And apart from that, I mean, tomorrow I've got to go to tip. I've got to drop some stuff off. (laughs) That's important. What what are you dropping off, Chris? That's that's what we're Yeah, we want to hear what you're dropping Uh, off. Just an old bed, an old bed frame. I've got to drop that off. I took the match today. And then, um, uh, what else have I got to do?
0: That's a bit of a pain in the ass to put the frame on the car, no, to take it
2: yeah some some red frames um oh, i can get them oh, in good. you know i've got a big um, rolls royce that i always drive is around that beca-
0: is that that <laughs> chris we honestly can't thank you enough we were you know we didn't know how this was gonna go we were like oh god
2: <laughs> like and i've just waffled on for it's, ages it's exactly
0: I? what we wanted chris you've told us some great stories and you've been really open and honest so we really appreciate you coming on thank you so much <laughs>
2: Thank you very much. Love you, guys. Uh, have a lovely good luck, much. Good luck
1: with the tip. And uh, uh, see you next time. Thank you, bye. So thank you for completing this very special 6 by 7 interview special with uh, Chris Olly. It's the second time that I've been on a podcast with uh, an artist that I own a record for. It's kind of strange, but, you know. It's a privilege to be able to uh, chat to these people and hopefully we get to chat to some more of our favorite artists in the future. Just like Chris, we are also on social media. we have Twitter which is O u musicpod, over underrated musicpod on Instagram, and we're on YouTube over underrated musicpod and you can even email us at over underrated musicpod at gmail.com. Until next time guys, bye bye.